0: Hello and welcome to Didian Hawthorne and the In Between, your place for everything reading and language related. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gents. Now bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hallo and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. Today, today is an episode dedicated to one of my favorite topics, period, which is personal finance. If you live under a rock like me, you probably didn't know until quite late in my case or maybe right now in yours that April is Financial Literacy Month. And since I am so passionate about financial literacy and personal finance, I figured that I would walk y'all through some of the books that have helped me to take the reins on my finances during the past two and a half years. All of the sources and resources that I will be recommending today will be linked at relevanceofliterature.com notes under the show notes for this episode. It bears repeating that I do not use affiliate links ever. This show is entirely run through Patreon, so a huge shout out to our wonderful patrons. You all are the lifeblood of this podcast. Thank you so much for your support. right and jumping right in our first book is the total money makeover by dave ramsey this book probably shouldn't come as a surprise just because it has become pretty ubiquitous in the personal finance book industry at least it is one of the staples of gifting i've been gifted this book several times and i have gifted this book several times Also, it's managed to persist between generations, which I think is something that a lot of these books have managed to do that I'll talk about. Um, But something that is really impressive, especially for this book, this book is Common Sense Meets Your Finances. It's common sense, but this kind of common sense is not so common, quote unquote, anymore. And the reason why is our society has sold and has grounded us on these ideas that debt is normal, that it's okay not to have enough money for a $600 emergency, as one study recently found. 50 some odd percent of Americans don't have $600 for an emergency to spare. Um, paycheck to paycheck has become the norm. Uh, our society really has fed us these ideas. And the worst part is, is that most of us believe them, that it's okay to put yourself in a financial position that offers no security and no benefit. Dave Ramsey's plan is simple. I have walked the system and done the gazelle intensity and become intentional myself with the system. Um, It's really a, it's one that a lot of people find great success in because once you commit, once you go all in, you just ride the system until baby step seven. There are seven baby steps in the system. Number one, build a $1,000 emergency fund. Number two, pay off all of your debt except for your mortgage. Number three, save up a three to six months emergency fund in the bank in cash. Baby steps four through six are completed simultaneously. Number four, invest 15% of your annual income into retirement. Baby step number five, save for kids' college. Baby step number six, pay off your home mortgage. And baby step seven is build wealth and give, which I love. I love how there's a saying in the Dave Ramsey space that, If you live like no one else, then later you can live and give like no one else. If you wanna learn more about any of those principles I just outlined or want more information about the baby steps, you can go to RamseySolutions.com. It's their new website. I get nothing by telling you this. Again, this is a plan that I have worked myself and that I've found tremendous value in. I've introduced basically everyone I know to Dave Ramsey. And I will just say I was on a financial trajectory that I thought was smart and that I thought was going to work out. I was doing a lot with the stock market, for example, and when I committed to the Dave Ramsey plan, I changed course and I would not be in the position that I am now that I'm super grateful to be in uh without this plan so this plan again it's tried and true and it's something that's really great the total money makeover puts it in perspective for you outlines not only the baby steps but different philosophies around investing once you get to each step or step four rather especially uh talks through people's stories there have been millions of people who have tried the plan, worked the plan, been successful at the plan for the simple reason that it is really adaptable to your needs. If you are a single person like me, young person like me also, uh, the plan is super geared towards you. But also if you're married and you're doing a joint income attack at your debt, for example, that works super well for people. Even if you're older, this plan has a lot of bearing on, again, building wealth, which is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to get rich. It's not to get rich quick. This plan takes a lot of work and a lot of time, but in the end, you'll end up building a wealth that, as the Bible says, you can give to your children's children. There are a couple supplementary books that I would recommend, not alongside this book, but they're sort of runner-ups in this category of book (laughs) and I would call um, up here, The Millionaire Next Door. It talks a lot about mindset and how there are people who live just really incredibly humble, incredibly diligent lives when it comes to their finances and they end up becoming millionaires and you would never know it by the way that they dress, by the cars they drive, by the houses they live in, the people they're around. You would never know they're a millionaire and a lot of it is because of this mindset of consistency and discipline where you shift your mindset and again this is a Dave Ramsey thing from intensity when you're paying off your debt when you're jump-starting your journey to intentionality which is the later steps of really investing and being deliberate with where you're putting your money every month and being deliberate about keeping a written monthly budget which we'll talk about at the end of the episode and so again the total money makeover really just Talks about these foundational principles not only of finance but of lifestyle, and lifestyle is really the thing that you have to change. You have to change you in order to change your finances, and that's that's the plan. Another supplemental book in this area uh, that might help you change your mindset is the book Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. There's been kind of a I don't want to call it a scandal, but it's an upset with Chris Hogan and the Ramsey Solution Company. Apparently he had a couple of issues that didn't align with the company at large and so he was let go. And so I'm not putting these two books in the same category because it's exciting or something like that. (laughs) They really do supplement each other well. And the principles behind the book Everyday Millionaires it are are extremely derivative and very similar of this Total Money Makeover book. It is based off of a study of millionaires that Ramsey Solutions did, and I haven't read the book myself, but I've heard a lot about these various statistics that the book brings up, and I think that it could be really influential for some people starting in their financial journeys who need a little bit of reframing about who these millionaires are in America and what they're doing to become millionaires. There's a lot of different stereotypes about millionaires, for example, that they inherit their money. This study found that largely that wasn't true. If they did inherit large sums of money, for example, they were inherited after these people were already millionaires. So. There's a lot of just little facts like that that will help you reframe and retransition your own mindset about wealth building and about figuring out where you can stand 40, 50 years in the future. All right, book number two is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. This book is one that my mother wanted me to read when I was a young kid, probably a tween, or in that age range, 12 to 14-ish. I definitely read it. I read it alongside my younger brother and my mom. I remember we would have meetings at the dinner table about the book and about where we were and what we thought about it, I've also linked the seven habits, the website down in the show notes for you all. So you have it, you could look at it at your own leisure. Essentially though, the reason why I am citing this book for financial success is these are tools and tips that you can take with you throughout your life in order to learn how to be proactive in your personal life and at work, learn how to work with other people and the kinds of things and priorities to keep in mind as you are working also uh, there's habit number seven which is sharpen the saw all about making sure that you're still doing all that you do in a healthful way and in a way that supports ultimately supports you as well so there's a lot in these habits that really works towards keeping you and putting you in a position that gives you the right mindset for financial success and obviously this is not a book about finances per se but they're extremely applicable these habits to finances let's uh work through a couple and how you could apply them to finances for example habit number one be proactive i'm just looking directly from their website as i said Um, focus and act on what they can control and influence instead of what you can't and so you know for example you can't control the stock market therefore do not invest in single stocks unless you are involved with the company and you want to buy and hold and you're in a financial position to do so etc those are tips that you can read in the previous finance books that i just talked about being proactive in in the sense of finances is looking at, okay, what can I do with the wealth building tools that I have access to? For example, I have my income. What can I do to leverage my income uh, and make it go as far as possible? You could be proactive by making a budget, by paying off debt, by saving more. Um, there's lots of applications there. Let's do Habit. Number number two, begin with the end in mind, define clear measures of success and a plan to achieve them. So if, especially if you are looking to retire and retire with enough money to sustain you for the rest of your life, retire early. If you have dreams during retirement, like you want to travel, you want to teach, you want to go part-time, any sort of those kinds of goals or dreams beginning with those end goals in mind. In terms of start your retirement investments earlier, have a plan for the who, what, when, where, and why most importantly, of that retirement goal. Where are you going to save? Are you gonna do a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA? Are you gonna do any like mutual funds, for example, and looking at the pluses and minuses of each, there are definitely different strategies for all of those things. For example, for me, I don't have a full time job yet. So I'm using a Roth IRA. It's just the best way that fits with my lifestyle at this point. You, if you are retiring or you're saving up for a big goal in the next two years, then you would probably go with a mutual fund or maybe a CD depending, but it just, again, it depends on your goals and you look at the tools that will help you best get to your goals eventually. And you can't do that until you begin with the end in mind. All right, and book number three, this is our wild card book, and you might be surprised at this book. Uh, you might have thought I was going to recommend, you know, the little book of common sense investing or how to win friends and influence people. Those two books are definitely very influential, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, lots of really great books having to do with personal finance in the personal finance space. I Will Teach You To Be Rich is another great book that's been very popular and it has a lot of really great tips in it. My third book though is actually Goodbye Things by Fumio Sasaki. If you have been a follower for a long time of the show, you've definitely heard me talk about this probably in one of the minimalism episodes a year, year and a half ago on the show. Goodbye Things is the book that catalyzed my interest in minimalism. Fumio Sasaki involves a lot of really tangible and logical tips and that's what I liked best about his reasoning. Unlike many other books about minimalism that tell you, you know, organize this way or declutter this way, I know Marie Kondo's organizing method is very popular. Um, but Fumio Sasaki really gets at the heart and the root of why minimalism is the way to go, and his the way he walks through things really made sense to me. And when I started looking at not only simplifying my life in terms of the material life and also my relationships, etc., the intangibles of life, I started to realize that the core. Of what I was searching for was contentment and being able to live with where I was at in every moment and not wanting and not certainly seeking after better and better and better because the hedonism of humanity is such that there is no position where you're completely content you'll always want more the bar will always move and so living with and learning to live with this deep-seated okayness with every moment and contentment in every moment Um, that's really the root of minimalism and something that is a practice that you embody every day and it's something that you have to really work at so goodbye things by fumio sasaki is what helped me find my why why I wanted to become a minimalist, why I wanted to start embodying values in the way that I do. And of course, financially, becoming a minimalist does have to do with intentionality. And the way that that intentionality often manifests is in terms of how you look at buying new things and bringing new things into your life. And the way that, I will say, the way that I allocated money before and after becoming a minimalist was completely different. Before I definitely spent a lot more on clothes, on just random knickknacks. I did a lot of impulse purchases, especially when I was out at the mall or stores or something. Post-minimalism, I spent a lot more on experiences. I might eat out a little bit more or get coffee out a little bit more. Uh, especially when I'm meeting with friends, that's a big priority of mine is to meet with people and to try to build deep and vulnerable relationships with others. So the way I spend money, the way that I budget and organize my time and also therefore my finances, it's directly value-driven, whereas before it was misguided by a lot of the messages I was getting from society, from social media, from other people that were saying, you're not good enough, therefore you need to buy X or Y or Z thing, therefore you need to do X, Y or Z. Now I do my best to not listen to those voices or to mute them as best I can because I have my own values that I need to embody and my own ways of manifesting that through a budget, through being able to connect with people let's talk additional resources to round out the episode today. We were only able to talk about a few books. I wanted to keep it short and simple. I wanted to cover a couple different areas. The practical area, the mindset, mentality, lifestyle kind of area, and the materialistic area. Maybe not where, again, you all were expecting that I was going to go, but that aside... While those resources will definitely give you, in themselves, a firm foundation to stand on in terms of improving your financial independence and your financial peace, as Dave Ramsey likes to say, I do want to talk about some additional resources in case you want to learn even more about personal finance. First off, the EveryDollar app. The three most powerful words when it comes to changing your habits around money are, quote, written monthly budget, unquote. Uh, lots of people in the finance space will say those three words and keep them holy. Every dollar is the budgeting tool I use. It does come from Ramsey Solutions. It's free. Again, I do not get any compensation by promoting every dollar. I'm recommending it simply because it's the most important tool that I use for my finances every month. And that's really not an understatement. The Every Dollar app runs on what's called a zero based budget, meaning that every dollar that's the joke, (laughs) has a job and a designation, so at the end of the month, you know exactly where every single dollar that you earned was allocated within your budget. A misconception that I had on my first year or so of budgeting using the zero-based budget was that it wasn't free enough for people like me who get impromptu coffees or tote bags or whatever the case is sometimes. It seemed to me that if you planned out every dollar at the beginning of the month that there would be no wiggle room for when you inevitably deviated from your written plan during week three of the month. Fortunately, the reality is that there is flexibility. You can move numbers around and edit the budget as needed throughout the month. As an example, I spent more on tea than I thought I was going to this month, so I took some money from my clothing and eating out budgets to allocate towards the tea that I bought. Another couple of tips here, it takes about three months to find your rhythm with budgeting, so don't get discouraged when you make mistakes or your goals aren't met. There is definitely an adjustment window when you're getting started and it will feel like you have more money than you thought and budget double what you think you're going to spend on food. I'm really not kidding. Budget double for food and then adjust as needed. The next additional resources are Mint and YNAB. You need a budget. These are two alternative budgeting apps to every dollar. Mint is also free. YNAB, I believe, has a free trial and then is paid. These are great because you can add your various accounts and it will automatically track your spending for you. I would highly recommend doing a plan where you have to physically input all of your spending. That means that you keep yourself physically accountable every time you spend money. For me, the automation hasn't worked as well when I've tried it. So these both work with, again, the manual inputting of everything you spend versus the automatic uh, uploads of your spending. Uh, I would just play around with it personally and see what works best for you. There might be some uh, streams of, for example, your savings account that you do want to automate and some that you really don't want to automate like your debit card. Mint is also a really great resource for setting financial goals. That's actually what I used it for for probably about a year and a half. I used it to save up for certain goals with my investments and later on when I transitioned more so to every dollar I let that go and have my own goal system that I invented for myself but nevertheless Mint and YNAB you need a budget they're both valuable resources in case you want to try something a little different than every dollar I should mention that Mint does not operate on a zero-based budget system, it's more like a category spending system, spend-as-you-go kind of system. I have had varying success with this system over the years and I really do prefer the zero-based budget, I find that it's much more succinct and it keeps me on track way more than the spend-as-you-go, but to each their own. The next resource is Ramsey Solutions. This is, again, linked in the description. There's all the shows besides just the Ramsey Show, which is the main daily talk show about personal finance. And really, the Ramsey Network enc- encompasses so many different aspects of income and your lifestyle. There are people on the team who specialize in mental health, in building your professional career, in starting your own business, in all sorts of different areas. So I would recommend checking them out. They have some just really great team members and I've had really nothing but positive experiences with the company. And we have made it to the last few, which are YouTube, channels and podcasts, The Graham Stefan Show and Graham Stefan's YouTube channel. There's two main ones and then he has several others as well that he makes. I will say that Graham has a different financial philosophy than some of the other resources and people that I've recommended. He does a lot more with real estate specifically also stock market investing and credit cards, which is sort of a naughty word in the Dave Ramsey space because Dave Ramsey is very adverse to debt. This is, again, though, just a different perspective on finance. Graham does get into A lot more of the specifics of current events in finance, whereas Dave Ramsey's plan is more of an overarching, timeless kind of plan. So if you're more interested in the minutiae of the financial world, Graham Stephan and his various networks are a great place to go. The Financial Diet is a platform, it's a blog and a YouTube channel that I listen to When I was first getting into personal finance, it is geared towards women and getting women the financial literacy and resources that they need. Uh, There's a lot about career development and personal growth in the financial diet. There's a lot about different ways to budget, different ways to invest in things like clothing pieces, things like your personal image and things like that um, different ways to plan for events like weddings or apartment hunting. (laughs) And these uh, girls, Chelsea and Lauren, are in New York. So there's lots uh, to talk about with New York City living alone um, in terms of budgeting, in terms of personal finance and self-growth. And last but not least, the Money Guy podcast The Money Guy podcast goes over a lot about a lot of the same areas as Dave Ramsey and Graham Stephan. I would say they're sort of in the middle between the two of them. They do teach a lot of the steadfast tips on personal finance, the common sense type tips, the tips, especially on long-term investing, buying and holding in the stock market. But they also do every once in a while things that are kind of new in the finance world. They talk about topical things, they'll talk about different areas like cars or like they'll talk about different financial YouTubers, people in the financial space. So they are a good mix, a good blend of these different topics. I also like that their shows are quite a bit longer than some of the others that I've mentioned. The Ramsey Show is a couple hours every day, so there's lots of content there. The Money Guys podcast is uh, pretty long as well, and so it's just a more sustained discussion on personal finance than, for example, the 20-ish minute videos that Graham Stephan puts out. Again, all of these resources, as well as a list of all the books that I've mentioned in today's show, that's all available at relevanceofliterature.com slash notes under the show notes for today's episode. Happy Financial Literacy Month, you all. If you want to hear more about this topic, I would love, obviously, to talk more about it. (laughs) Leave me a comment on the show notes. I would be thrilled to hear from you. Also, shout out to our patrons. We are talking about finance today, so I thought it would be a worthwhile mention here at the end that we sustain our entire podcast off of Patreon, which we are so lucky to be able to do. I want to thank all of you 10 million times because it's just really awesome to be able to interact with you on that platform. We do a lot of content on Patreon, podcasts, live streams, behind the scenes posts. There's also going to be some weekly type videos where I just talk off the cuff and I'm really looking forward to starting to record those on Patreon. So again, lots happening and there's just a really great community of folks over there who are supporting the show. All right, that is all for today. I hope you enjoyed talking about personal finance and I'll see you next time with Bleak House.